contribution or gifting really is? Well, I appreciate you asking that question. I'd be happy to answer it. There is another rhythm of grace. There's another rhythm of serving that God's grace wants to develop in our lives. And it is the exact opposite. It is not unique to you at all. All right? It is the routine, scheduled in, committed to, consistent serving that we do week after week after week. These are the teams that serve by conducting a task critical to properly executing a gathering or a ministry such as the teardown team for challenge, the greeting team on Sunday church, ministry team, discipleship team for challenge in general. This is the type of serving you sign up for and commit to regularly and consistently showing up to do your part in making the group a success. Now, what's amazing about this type of serving, in my opinion, such as joining the setup team, is that you get it 100% baked into your schedule. So it doesn't matter as much if you're in the mood to serve or not. It is Thursday, and we're going to have challenge, and we're going to need instruments at challenge, so we're going to need people to set up those instruments at challenge. And so this type of serving has a unique way of cleansing us from ourselves, getting us to regularly think outside of ourselves and teaches us that our emotions are very helpful informers but are never to be our masters. Even if I don't feel like it, I have indeed committed to it and I refuse to leave my teammates hanging so I'll show up to help serve. The key here is to just get started. Just start. It's not really as big a deal as sometimes we make it out to be. Most of these teams serve for just an hour or two a week, and commitments are generally only like a semester or a year long. So whether that's within faith settings or without a faith or outside of faith settings, we just got to take the first step and just start on it. There's also no need to hyper-spiritualize it. Right? The mark of a mature Christian is not to take a simple decision and add spiritual activity and spiritual language to that simple decision. Right? The key question for this type of serving in our lives is not, has God led me to do it? Or is this my true spiritual gifting? Or even, is this in line with my future plans? The question is simply this, does it need to get done? Does it need to get done. I serve on the teardown team at my church, Church in the Valley, where I help put all the instruments and kids' zone stuff away after Sunday services. So do I feel a sense of calling in my life to tearing down sound equipment? No, <laughs> I don't. Do I feel a calling in my life to put away colorful children's panels sprinkled with goldfish dust in a closet? No, I also don't. Do I feel a calling even to kids' ministry in general? No, I, I really don't, and I hope God keeps it that way. Um, so why, so why, do, uh, why do I do it? Why do I serve on the teardown team? Because it needs to get done. It needs to get done. If we don't put away our stuff properly, our landlords where we meet for church will not be happy. And if they are not happy more than they are happy, we're going to lose our lease. 
and probably get kicked out of the next one we try and find too. So although it's rather mundane, it is actually critical for the church to function properly. It needs to get done, and I answer that question, and I do it. Now, I have a question here. Who here has heard of the man who parted the Red Sea, Moses? Moses, nice. All right, that's a lot of us. Or another one. The person who led the people into the promised land, Joshua. A lot of hands, nice. All right, got another one. Who here has heard of the ritual candle flame tenders near the tent of the meeting? Victor, I knew there'd be one. Nice. You guys, these guys were awesome. Just some of my favorite people in the Bible, all right? So this is one of my favorite examples in Scripture where God asked his people to routinely serve and conduct a mundane task as described in Exodus 27, 20 through 21. It states, You shall command the people of Israel that they bring to you, the priests, pure beaten olive oil for the light, that a lamp may regularly be set up to burn. In the tent of the meeting, outside the veil that is before the testimony, Aaron and his sons shall tend to it from morning, from evening to morning before the Lord. It shall be a statute forever to be observed throughout the generations by the people of Israel. So could you imagine this? God's like, all right, everybody huddle up. Okay, Moses, I'm going to need you to take my people out of Egypt and part the Red Sea. Okay, you go. All right, Joshua, I'm going to need you to get the promised land in order, help our people to get in there and conquer the giants that are over there. Okay, you go. All right, Aaron's sons, can you keep that candle lit over there? All right, break. Sounds good. We're good. So it's, it's, it's like we see these candle lighters, and they made it into Scripture just like other men because routine, scheduled in serving, is important to God. It was important then. It is important now. So it should be important to us too. The next and final rhythm of serving that God's grace can, desires to, and really should produce in our lives is a day-to-day mindset of serving. This is not the type of serving where you sign up for a team and agree to show up at a certain time each week, but rather a lifestyle of serving, a mindset of serving, where in your various circles of life, whether it's the house you live in, your classes, um, work, going home to see family, or anything else, you are showing up to those arenas, not even just being willing to serve, but actually planning to serve. This is the rhythm of serving that Dusty enacted in the story earlier. He didn't sign up for a team, and no one made him, and no one even asked him to serve. He did it because he had the true heart and lifestyle of a servant. There's generally one key litmus test, in my opinion, the lowest hanging fruit while in college, to see if you have indeed kind of adopted this mindset of a servant. You know what that is while in college? Your roommates. Proverbs 26 states, Many a man proclaims his own steadfast love, but a faithful man who can find. It's quick and easy to think, yeah, I'm I'm good at this stuff. I do my dishes on like at least a bi-monthly basis. All right, I know what I'm doing. But in college, it's easiest to develop develop an attitude of it's all about me with your roommates. Just like when you start a family and live with them, it'll be easiest to do it with them too. 
So I encourage you to ask your roommates if they see you as a servant to see if it matches up with where you may perceive yourself to be. Um, so before going out and serving the various random people that you may interact with, make sure that you're serving your roommates day to day. The key to getting this final rhythm of serving present in our lives lies in the big R, big A principle. The big R, big A diagram in principle comes from the fighter pilot who Top Gun was modeled after, actually. The R stands for read and the A stands for act. Some people have little r, little a in their lives, which means that they both cannot properly read a situation. They may not have that sound judgment and they don't generally take action on the things that they do notice. They're just kind of like oblivious to the world around them. Right? Others have little r but big A. These are the highly zealous people who love to take action and get after it, but often completely in the wrong direction. Proverbs 19.2 talks about this. It states, desire without knowledge is not good. How much more will hasty, excited, passionate, hasty feet miss the way? We see all around the world today as well, don't we? Highly zealous people, passionate about some cause or idea without all the facts, without sound judgment of the situation. Or there is big R, little a. These are generally the best, most quality form of critics that there are, whether in ministry or elsewhere. They're very sharp, able to analyze situations very well, even psychoanalyze people or events, and maybe even come to fairly accurate conclusions but they never really seem to do much to help. They sure criticize and analyze and even maybe understand, but never get in the arena, never get their hands dirty, never offer a tangible solution with the actual work it takes to solve an issue or meet a need. It's really, honestly, a lethal place to be in life. James 2, 15 through 17 states, if a brother or sister is poorly clothed, and lacking in daily food. And one of you says to them, one of you, you see this, you realize it, go in peace, be warmed and filled. Without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Then there's the gold standard, the big R, big A. These are the people who properly read a situation. They're aware and once having made a sound judgment, take action on helping solve the situation and actually meet the need. People like this are a breath of fresh air, my friends. These are the roommates who read the situation, that you're very busy, understand you probably need a hand, and wash your dishes as well as their own that night. Or the friend who recognizes that you've had a down week, so she stops by your room to talk it through with you for an hour or so and just kind of hangs out with you. The key to having the day-to-day -day serving in your life is that awareness, that big R, that sound judgment, followed through with the big A, the action, the actually doing something about it. Proverbs 8.15 states, counsel 
and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. Insight with action. That is the key to day-to-day serving in your life. And what is the purpose of getting this type of serving in your life? Well, this is one of the critical ways, if not the critical way, that the outside world will know that and if you are a follower of Jesus Christ. The Gospel of Mark records a situation where the 12 disciples were arguing about who who is the greatest, who is the best of the 12 disciples, and who will get the best seed in heaven. And they just had all sorts of me-first questions for Jesus. But the way Jesus responded in usual fashion turned their world upside down. Mark 10, 42 through 45 states, and Jesus called them to him. He called the 12 disciples to him. Come over here. And said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever would be first among you must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man came not to serve, not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. What Jesus is saying is that when mankind turned their back on God over and over and over and over again, God said, I need to give them a tangible taste of who I am on this earth, someone who they can see and talk with and walk with so that they can really know what am I like as God. And God did not send a political ruler or a CEO or a university president or a famous athlete. He sent a servant. He sent a sacrifice. He sent the Son of Man not to be served, but to serve the very creation that rebelled against him. That's why when we serve, we are at our finest in modeling the life of Jesus Christ. Matthew 16, 25 states, For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. It's actually written on Mud Hall of Philosophy. By the way, if you guys haven't seen that. When we lose our lives in service to Christ and our fellow man, that is when we'll ultimately find it. So to recap, starting specifically, God's grace desires for us to develop our unique contribution to the body of Christ. The key for serving in this specific way is to start serving in a general way, keeping an eye on what you and others have to say about it. It is so critical because if you don't make that unique contribution, no one else can. It is all yours. Then there's the routine serving, the scheduled in-serving, where the key is to just get started. Just start with one. I promise it won't hurt you. Guys, it'll even put a little hair on your chest. All right, that I do promise. We do this routine serving for one reason, because it needs to get done. And finally, we are to live lives permeated with service every which way we go. We approach the realms of our lives, starting with our roommates, 
with not just being willing to serve if someone happens to ask me, but planning to serve, looking for it, regardless if someone brings it up to you. We accomplish this by being aware of the needs and situations around us, both physical and emotional, by the way, and then do something about it once we have noticed it. We live like this because the God who came to this earth lived like this. And even up until his death, gave himself so that we could be free. When we live to serve, we honor him. When the men of the River Kwai returned home after Americans liberated their camp, they had known what it was like to live with selfishness and known what it was like to live as a servant. And their hearts burned within them to live as the latter. They refused to allow paratroopers to kill their Japanese prison guards, astonished their nurses by asking the nurses how they could help, even though they were the ones with all sorts of diseases, and returned home to seek out the greatest and most fulfilling lives of service that they could find. There's actually a picture of Ernest here who chose to follow Jesus Christ after Dusty served him. And this is him actually as dean of the chapel at Princeton University in New Jersey, where he served for decades. When reflecting on his time in the camps, Gordon wrote this one sentence. Every person who uses the talents God gave him so that he is not afraid to live as a sensitive human being among the impersonal forces at work in society is participating and will be conscious of its only possible conclusion. That conclusion is that the free and light life that Jesus invites us to live with him is not an invitation to be served, but it is an invitation to serve. All right, let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the time that we got to share together tonight. God, I pray that you would impress upon our hearts the same life that Jesus Christ himself lived while he was here on earth. It was a life permeated by serving in so many ways. So God, when we leave, there's a challenge tonight. Would we not be the same? Would we serve starting with our roommates in all arenas of life and do it to the glory of your name? In your name we pray, amen.